So I think the, the orientation or the posture of meeting Christ in others, that can help us to honor those who are on the margins of society. I'm very pleased to have back Lacey Borgo. We posted on our website a helpful essay that she's written on the topic of social justice. What follows is an honest, thoughtful conversation of just how one person is learning, growing, engaging her world, trying to be a force for good. Lacey is a spiritual director, writer, institute faculty, and professor. She approaches this topic with a profound willingness to implicate herself in the story. Notice her desire to lean into the compassionate life. It encourages me to follow. My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovare Podcast. Hi, Lacey. Hey, Nate. I always like doing podcasts with you. Mm, we have some good conversations. We do. We do. And today we get to at least use as a springboard this helpful essay you wrote on the social justice tradition. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, Douglas Steer has been a good guide for me lately. Spending a lot of time. I noticed that. Starting with the Douglas Steer quote, I thought, oh, yes, her friend. <laughs> <laughs> I really like how you start this with the picture of growing up in West Texas, living in the converted 7-Eleven. I mean, just you pulled me right in. Um, what was that like for you to tell those stories? You know, it was really healing for me to tell these stories. Um, I've never, I've never told them before. Uh, you can probably hear just kind of underneath the piece that um, this this wasn't, you know, uh, an easy, an easy existence. Um, uh, it wasn't sort of suburbia. Um, not that suburbia is easy <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. But there was a lot of uh, struggle. There's a lot of struggle. Um, and so um, a spiritual formation is often um, thought of as sort of um, three movements of reconciliation, three movements of healing, reconciliation of self to self, kind of our past, and, um, and then self to God and self to others. Um, looking at the lens, looking at my childhood and this um, kind of season of our lives as a family through the lens of generosity was incredibly healing for me uh, to tell these stories. And I, and I read I read this article, this piece, um, to my my parents um, because I wanted to hear. Um, uh, they corrected a few facts for me, you know, because what we hear as children and what we experience can be different. So they corrected a few things for me, which um, I went and tinkered with in the piece. And, uh, but it was healing for them as well um, to uh, maybe, maybe some pieces of shame uh, that they had held uh, to hear uh, how I could see God's fingerprints uh, as an adult looking back. Mm -hmm. It was good for me to hear because 
I've always kind of conceptualized you in terms of to understand Lacey, you need to understand growing up in West Texas, the grit, the kind of, you know, fire in your belly of sorts, that, that, that kind of shaped who you are, even though, you, you know, you live in a log cabin in Colorado and, you know, you're <laughs> very educated, and, you, you know, but that right. world of the kind of salt of the earth kind of people and of suffering and yeah you know those that that shirt that resiliency i kind of like the word resiliency that that resiliency is sort of woven into the people in west texas and i certainly got that you know um uh being uh, shaped and formed at a young age in the oil fields i mean um and my grandparents um, bef- before this story, these stories, I was in my grandparents' deli, you know, um, helping out in the deli. And um, that grit and resiliency certainly shaped and formed me. You have a quote in the, in the essay. Finite is a gift. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> maybe I can tell you a little bit of history of that quote. Um, I, I don't. Put it in quotes, um, but um, it came from a personal um, letter that I got from Dallas Willard. Mm. Um, I was I sent him a, an email. Um, went back when I was in the institute, so that'd be maybe like eleven years ago or so, and just told him a little bit about my own struggle as a mom and um, you know being present in everyday life, and just how this was all. He said something like, "We may strive against being finite." But make no mistake, finitude is a gift. Uh, I, I think I still struggle with that. Um, uh, I, you know, the internet helps me um, I really believe that I'm infinite. Sometimes my mom's superpowers, my ability really to multitask can make me feel infinite. But um, as I grow older and I'm able to accept my finitude more and more, really is a gift kind of about living in reality, living within the limitations of what is? Yeah, yeah, it really is about living in reality. And, and, and you know, for, my, for my, my childhood and my upbringing, it was about living where we lived, which was on the rough side of town in a converted convenience store mm-hmm. with all that surrounded us, um, you know, my, migrant workers in the area, prostitution on the street, um, you know, uh, homeless surrounding and, you know, people hanging out in the living room playing pool. Mm-hmm. That was, that was our terra firma. <laughs> How does this statement, finitude is a gift, tie into the social justice tradition? I think it, it helps us to realize that we begin where we are. We begin sort of with who we are and really <clears throat> to pay attention to the word begin it's not where we end that's not where we end um, if that is where we end then that living water becomes stagnant but it is where we begin we begin with our finite where i actually am to use my um gritty west Te- texas language wherever your butt is is where you are. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yeah, it is true. That's where we are. 
And that's where we begin. So, I mean, there's a couple ways to take that. One is just when we begin to look at social issues and some of the suffering in, in our own communities and world, um, often people become immobilized with the sort of helplessness of what can we do. So this, this gives us a place of beginning. It, it gives us a place of beginning. And it also, I think, reminds us that we're never enough. I think some of the great resistance that I myself feel in social justice, especially like when I go to Haven House on Wednesdays, is that my little piece of shelter. Yeah, the the transitional facility for homeless families is that my little piece of showing up and listening to kids on a Wednesday, it it does not solve a problem of a drug-addicted mother trying to get her kids back. It doesn't do that. Um, And yet my faithfulness is to show up with my finite self and to do the work that I've been asked to do. Finitude trips me up. Um, it can make me feel like that I'm not doing any good mm-hmm. um, because I can't do all the good. You can do some good. Right. Right. I can show up on Wednesdays and I can be present and I can listen. Mm-hmm. The other thing that that statement ties into that you reminded me of, and and for those who haven't read it, you touch a little on how your parents didn't have a lot of resources, but shared. And it reminds me of this theme that, that you often see about um, in poor communities, how generous they are with each other. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I guess that's probably the million dollar question. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I had any knowledge about why that is. Um, I don't know if it has to do, I, I mean, I wonder, maybe we could wonder together. I wonder if it might uh, link us back to finitude. As a person who came um, from a community um, uh, that um, was, um, you know, not affluent, um, there was no illusions around having enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were no illusions around being infinite. Um, maybe, and I, again, I'm just wondering, um, maybe generosity comes from, um, knowing that you're finite. Yeah. Now I'm going to take a stab at it if I can. I'm, I'm thinking about my father-in-law who's, who's since passed. And there were times where he didn't have food and, Mm -hmm. and we would, um, order him food, you know, mm-hmm. like a takeout and have it delivered and surprise him, you know, mm-hmm. with it. So he lived in another state. And mm-hmm. and he would call us kind of in tears, thanking mm-hmm. us, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. He says, man, you guys sent me all sorts of, I just invited all the neighbors over and we're all having a feast in here. And mm-hmm. and I thought that is just so beautiful that, it, it you know, any, the little he does have, he's eager to share. And I wonder if there's something about being aware of our own poverty, and mm-hmm. I don't just mean financial, but aware of our own needs that then opens us up to the needs of others. I mean, you can get lost in it, right? Our own suffering, we can turn inward very easily, but it also has a potential, 
living into that, our finiteness, our poverty, and, and opening our heart for generosity to others? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's William Berry, maybe, who um, says that um, he's just a beggar trying to help another beggar find bread. But that's, that's sort of what spiritual direction is, a beggar trying to help another beggar find bread. Um, it does seem to be something around orientation. There's a little bit of a warning sort of that rises up in me. Um, it, anytime that I talk about um, people who are on the margins, so that means children uh, or um, those that are um, poor or uh, in um, transitional popula- uh, populations, something rises up to me and says that, be careful, Lacey, don't romanticize this. People are suffering. Um, so I, I think that there is so much uh, learning that, that, so much that I learn every time I'm at Haven House, and it is part of my faithfulness. And at the same time, I would never want to perpetuate that. Um, people are suffering. Mm-hmm. Meaning that you're approaching people with the dignity and worth and not putting them in a category with assumptions connected to it. Is that what you mean? That's, yeah, yeah, that is what I mean. And I think um, it's, it's um, the, when we speak about a population, and it's true about children as well, is that when we speak from outside of that population, we want to be very, uh, you know, just very aware. So I, I'm speaking about this population. Um, having, having been a part of that population, but having, you know, um, I'm a white, affluent, over-middle-aged woman <laughs> and well-educated. I'm mm-hmm. outside of the population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I want to um, honor them. I want to honor the experience and being very careful about the language that I use. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I, I, th- I think that's in part where it's good to um, live in the tension of our own need. That I don't understand their space, and um, I really shouldn't even speak to it. Um, but understanding my own um, poverties or my own uh, mm-hmm. spaces of suffering, there's a common thread and and how that ties into social justice and how we can turn our attention to caring for others. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the pieces that um, helps me, sort of a, a posture or orientation that helps me, is to re- keep in mind that I go to meet Jesus, not to be Jesus. You know, m- my, my mother, when I was a child, um, she she had a, had me going into the backyard and feeding Joe, bringing him beans and cornbread, um, not because she felt she was Jesus, because if Jesus jumped the fence and was homeless, then you would take the man food in your backyard. Um, if Jesus had uh, been a woman thrown out of a car, um, as the story that I tell in the article, and um, came in all but bloodied and bruised, you would you would tend to Jesus's wounds. So I think the the orientation or the posture of meeting Christ and others that can help us, that can help us to honor those 
who are on the margins of society. I think that that line is just so helpful. Mm-hmm. I go to meet Jesus, not to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we got to work with that a little because it, that does does kind of make it about me uh, to some degree, but. Um, knowing that there's a gift in there for me is mm-hmm. in, in some self-abandonment and trying to mm-hmm. be present. I to think others. it keeps us humble. Um, you know, um, a- another experience of my life was going to be a missionary in Kazakhstan um, at a, at, at a, as a um, college student. And um, uh, the difference in the humility um, that my mother possessed um, and, and of course, this is from my view, right? As a child, um, she, she would probably tell a different story. Not, not, not at all saying that she was humble, but um, the difference in the humil- humility that my mother possessed, and the pride that I possessed as a missionary going to Kazakhstan, going to bring the, going to bring Jesus to the Kazakhs, and um, uh, it was, <laughs> and God helped me um, by showing up in places. Um, Christ in places where um, I had firmly declared Christ was not. So just really, it, it really is a posture of humility. I find it um, an easy entry point to think about my neighbor, think about those in my community. And, you know, for you growing up, this, you know, people climbing the fence to, you know, sleep <laughs> in your backyard um, or your work with Haven House. Like these are nice entry points to begin dipping our toes into social justice tradition. What about bigger pieces? Because, you know, these bigger what about injustice. systematic, systematic yeah, injustices? Yeah. And I, I think, that, and that's what I'm, and that's sort of the, the, the point that it has to begin in a certain place, but it cannot end there. Um, there are systems of injustice that um, are rooted in gigantic power structures um, that are meant um, intentionally and intentionally um, to keeping people in certain places and under control. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I could quote Douglas Steer um, because, well, just because it's Douglas Steer. It is conceivable that Jesus saw that the way to touch any society was at its Achilles heel by serving the group who it wanted to hide from its sight, not only because it hurt to look at these people, but also because of the reproach which their condition cast on its own smug life. Yet to serve these rejected ones is to reach straight to the quick of the very society and to touch it and open it to its own condition. Okay, one more time. Do you mind? Yeah, no. It is conceivable that Jesus saw that the way to touch any society was at its Achilles heel by serving the group who it wanted to hide from its sight, not only because it hurt to look at these people, but also because of the reproach which their condition cast on its own smug life. 
Yet to serve these rejected ones is to reach straight to the quick of the very society and to touch it and open it to its own condition. One of the injustices is that we continue to lock away people in, in and I'm talking about in, in North America, in the United States, whom we don't want to see. As long as we keep them out of our sight, as long as we keep, and, and I understand that these, these problems and difficulties are complicated. So I'm not proposing a solution. I'm only saying that keeping people who are on the margins out of in front of my face is allowing me to live out of touch with reality. And reality is where God shows up. Is it a, it can be a blinding of our visual, but also of our attention and awareness. It hardens our hearts. Okay. It hardens our hearts. So here's a topic that came to mind for me today, a bigger picture. And I wonder if we could brainstorm. It's this interesting term, environmental racism. Mm Mm-hmm. Native American reservation, toxic waste being dumped, poor ethnic communities, factories that produce chemicals or have waste, and that's where they're placed. Mm-hmm. Big systems, headless beast of sorts. Usually there's mm-hmm. not you know, one person pulling the strings. Um, what is a Christian response to something of this nature? I think my first response is, I would like to ask a Native American person, what should be, or what could be our response? That's, that's, what, that's what I would like to first do. Um, and then I wonder if our response could begin and not be completed, but begin by seeing, taking our bodies and begin by seeing and listening and experiencing to soften our hearts. To go meet Jesus. Yeah, I can, I can say in, in this particular um, instance, um, that this example that you've brought up, um, one of the things that's really enlivened um, my awareness um, about um, uh, the Native American experience in the United States is to begin to do some reading around uh, the topic, written not by the Anglo experience, <laughs> but written from Native Americans and Native American uh, experience. And um, I'd, I'd love to recommend a book if I can that has been just incredibly um it's been a huge, huge uh, game changer for me and helping to soften my own heart. It's called Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmer. Braiding Sweetgrass. Braiding Sweetgrass. It's really tuning my ear to the experience and the sorrow of the Native American person in the United States. You, ju- you just highlighted two pieces that I think are really, really important. It's about listening and listening 
in this sense of educating yourself by listening to the voices of the people that you're right. Mm -hmm. um, the other is is going into a situation or a community and listening to the people. What do they see as the problem? What do they see as a solution? And in, in my former life as a social work professor, when I teach um, systems and social change and such, we'd walk ourselves through history of um, movements of people trying to help others. And, and often what you find is a history of an expert coming in, telling people what they need, rather than coming in and listening and empowering people that they're the experts on them. And they potentially have some really good ideas about what might help. So I think what I'm hearing in the, just in your reading and then in the question is this idea of listening, which then goes back to humility, goes back mm -hmm. to meeting Jesus as opposed to trying to be Jesus. We, we sort of began um, this talk about how the, the article itself helped me to reconcile, you know, my own experience and this, you know, spiritual formation as a path of reconciliation to self, to God, to others. And, um, you know, maybe I could offer this um, spiritual practice as a reconciliation to others. We could even say maybe that social justice is the path of reconciliation to God and to others. Um, and, uh, you know, cultivate a listening and awareness in your own self of your resistance. Can I just invite the listeners to do that? Begin to listen where you have the strongest resistance. Um, in the news, as you're walking, Maybe you see someone, you make some assumptions about their dress, their clothes, um, their words that they use. Notice where your strongest resistance is and then take your body to where those folks live. Take your body to where those folks live. And, okay, so, so let's, let's say that you see someone who is wearing the head wrap or the head scarf. Um, of someone from a Muslim community. And you feel yourself have a huge resistance to that. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Take yourself, take your body to where those folks live and worship. And what do you notice of Jesus there? Maybe you see someone panhandling um, on a corner in your town. Or setting up, you know, San Francisco has big tent cities. Uh, and you find yourself feeling a huge resistance to that. Take yourself, take your body. You're touching on another point in here that I want to highlight. And, I mean, there's all these little ways in our own communities to be, you know, responding to needs. But another thing I'm hearing in, in your words is a long haul that these are not a little project, but these are potentially one of these topics or people groups that we go to listen to. Um, these are year projects, you know. These are decade projects, mostly because the, because the human person is a mystery. And you could sit there for 50 decades. You could, I mean, married people have been married for years and years um, we're coming up on 25 years. I feel like I don't even know the man. <laughs> you know, the human person is a mystery. And it's, it's going to take a while. 
Mm-hmm. And, a, and a piece of that is that, um, you know, if I, if I could quote um, Chris, Chris Hall, I think, who says that, um, you know, um, spiritual formation is the slowest of all human processes. You know, spiritual yeah. formation in the, in the way of social justice is a very slow human process. There's a lot of reformation, a lot of reconciliation, and that takes time. And can I also say it takes gentleness? It takes us being gentle with ourselves in the same amount that we're gentle with others. Um, in the same way that we're gentle with others. And, and the reason is we will only embrace others in the same amount with authenticity that we embrace and accept ourselves. And, and it's not a, um, maybe I could use a Thomas Kelly word um, from a Testament of Devotion, simultaneity. So that's a great word. It's not a first I accept myself and then I go to accept others. This process happens at the same time. As I grow to accept others, I grow to accept myself. And as I grow to accept myself, I grow to accept others. I'm a great Western thinker. I would really love for this to be a first and then, but I think it's a yes at the same time. It's a simultaneity. Mm-hmm. And in that, what I'm hearing is we don't have to have everything cleaned up to respond. What a relief. Isn't it <laughs> such a relief? Because you let me know when, when, well, I'll let you know when I get this all cleaned up. <laughs> <laughs> I will eagerly await <laughs> <laughs> that email. <laughs> I'll have to have it written in the sky. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I think, I think I see a way to kind of bring this all together. Um, because what I'm hearing in this is again, listening and listening to my own resistance, those points of resistance, and then um, a practice that I seem to find myself drawn to on all the streams. Because, I mean, it's good to learn, and, and, but it's also good to respond and to mm-hmm. dip our toes or dive into the particular stream. And, and the conclusion I keep reaching is uh, ask and listen. Right, so um, if I'm feeling in, invited or drawn into practice this tradition in a new way, uh, to listen, who might, what spaces, places might God have me to put my body in mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. listen? And I love how Douglas Steer again, you know, back to Steer, um, connects go. social justice to prayer. Um, you know, uh, social justice is prayer. It is prayer in action. It is prayer to attend to our neighbor. That's good. Well, Mm. thanks for praying. Mm. (laughs) Mm. May God meet us in our prayers. Well, there you have it. Encourage you to check out Lacey's article on our website, renovare.org. And if you haven't already, you can sign up for our weekly digest, a simple way to stay connected to what we're up to. Thanks for listening and have a good week.